Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge, presented by Curriculum Track, a brief retreat from your daily routine to explore the latest thinking and practices from faith-based educators and instructional leaders from all over. Join us as we swap innovative ideas geared towards promoting your school's mission, and we'll keep the conversation as fresh as you like your coffee. Hey there. Have you ever dropped into the teacher's lounge at your school only to realize that you're entering into the middle of a conversation or perhaps you just missed the best part? That's sort of what's going on in today's episode. This is part two of a longer conversation. But the good news is that we got everything on tape. So while we believe the second part will be just as enjoyable and helpful as the first, and like the first, it's rich enough to stand alone, we would also encourage you to consider listening to part one of this episode in order to get the full picture. We don't want you to miss out. If you're ready to go with part two, let's jump in. I know that the testimony of the school and the community was improved as a result. Because when I would have to go to an IEP meeting at a public school for one of our students, and I would have to go there because that student had gotten testing done through the public school. So I would go with the families and go over the results of it. Those professionals, teachers, et cetera, administrators were always surprised that a Christian school was there to get this testing. And when they would learn what we were doing to help these students, because they know that Christian schools are not serving the needs of many of the kids with special needs. They know that. So I know that that improved. But on top of that, we've had students be saved as a result. We've had their families come to church as a result and feel loved by the body of Christ. I've always said how tragic it would be and is when a family has three children and they drive up and they drop off two of their kids at a Christian school, and then they have to keep going with the third kid and take them to public school. What does that say to that mm -hmm. child? That's the concern that I have. What does that say to that child? They're not good enough for the Christian school. Yeah, Their other kids are good enough, but you don't have what it takes to be one of us. And I just wonder how negative an impact that could have on that child spiritually. Let me tell you, this past May, was graduation at Friendship Christian. And like I say, I'm not there any longer, but I'm still in touch with them and follow them very closely and stay connected. Well, some of my former students who were graduating, and I think there was 35 students who graduated. And out of those 30, six of them were in what we call the Focus Learning Center. And those are the kids with Down syndrome and autism. And they weren't graduating with the same kind of diploma as what their peers were but they were graduating and they were graduating in their green robes and all of the regalia. I was not able to go to that graduation because in two and a half years of COVID, I was able to escape it until May of this year. And I missed graduation because I was homesick with COVID, but I watched it online. So I watched online and I was able to pick out not just those six kids, but there were several others that I pointed out to my husband as we watched it on the screen. And I said, I had that one in tutorial study hall learning disability, and that one with ADHD, and mercy that one, oh my word, made it, yay. And then I saw those other kids that I remembered or that had come later after me, and they were so excited. And I got to tell you, I had a couple of emotions. I was thrilled and happy to see that, but then there was that other emotion. I was sad for all the other families of kids with special needs like that 
who will never get that moment, who will never be able to see their children walk across the stage of a Christian school and get their diploma. I thought we need to do better. Be celebrated by the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This isn't my story to tell, but I just want to share it because I feel like it fits here. I was just talking to someone earlier today who said their school, I think a few years ago, decided to lean into a special education program, try to serve more people of their community in that way. And a family with five kids, one of them having a pretty severe case of Down syndrome, decided that they would enroll their Down syndrome child in the Christian school, but hold off on the other kids Mm. until they found out how well the school could serve their Down syndrome boy. And this past year, the other four children also joined the school because Mm -hmm. the family is just feeling so embraced and helped and encouraged by the school. And I think those are the stories that we're after, right? Enlarging our influence, serving all students, celebrating every life as a gift from God, regardless of aren't we all challenged in some way? Don't we all have our own difficulties? And yet Jesus loves us anyway. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I've seen that in schools that do embrace kids with special needs. The rest of the student body, those quote, regular average kids, okay, they go to a public school, they are surrounded by kids who have disabilities. When they go to a Christian school, they're usually insulated from that. And that's not good. We shouldn't be insulated from the quote, poor and needy and maimed. We shouldn't be. We should invite them to the same feast, just like we're offering to everyone else. What we found is that the rest of the population of the school embraced those kids and made it normal. And they became very protective of them. And there were few instances, few of what you might call bullying, very few in all the years that I was there. But I would joke with parents who would ask, I'm like, really, we just don't have a problem with that. They eat each other. I said, they're like little piranhas in a fishbowl, okay? (laughs) In their own little group, they're like siblings with each other, but we can deal with that. But on the other hand, I said, no, the rest of the student body embraces them. They play on sports teams. They've been cheerleaders and they go on field trips together with them. They eat lunch together. They go to chapel together. They are part of the community of Christ. And what I think is important, too, is when you look at statistics, a lot of those students, when they have children, somebody there is going to have children with disabilities. Of course they are. Do you want that to be their very first exposure to an individual who has a disability? Or what if we normalize it early on and they learn that compassion? That's been a really beautiful byproduct of having a program for kids with special needs in a Christian school. Yeah. So you moved to Veritas a few years later, and it sounded to me as we talked earlier that part of your desire was to help multiply your efforts beyond just one school at a time. Let's expand this into other educators. So tell us a little bit about those efforts and how you're trying to help other educators in this area. All right. One thing that we do, and that is in our education program and all the courses, we talk about differentiation. Every single course, we talk about how do you differentiate this content for a student who has a learning disability in reading or writing or math or what have you. So they get used to that. And that's part of the worldview. Our biblical worldview is that we include all of the students so that our graduates, when they go to a school, no matter where they go, you know that they're going to have students in their classroom that has a disability. Of course they do. 10 to 50% of them are going to. So you're really doing them a disservice 
if you don't prepare them for that in their undergraduate program. So that's one thing that we do. And that's exciting to see that because then they go on and we hear from the schools where they are that they're a real help to their schools. The other thing that we're able to do is through teacher conferences. I travel a lot in the fall and so do some of our other educators at Veritas. We spread out and we go all over the country and teach workshops for those teachers. And I'm telling you, the rooms are filled with teachers flowing out of the rooms sitting on the floor. And this is a good example because the last one I was in Texas, I've never been to this Texas conference before. So these teachers don't know me, but my room was packed from the very first workshop I did. They were literally sitting on the floor. We were ringing in chairs. They were out in the hallway. I wasn't the draw because they didn't know me, but the topics were the draw. When you're talking about mental health and anxiety, that was one. We are talking about ADHD and learning disabilities and how to help and how to differentiate those topics teachers are excited about. So we go and we try to help, but that's a limited amount of help that we can give. So I really like to share as many resources as I can when I go of books and articles and just websites that they can go to to get the help that they need. I also love going to Christian schools that ask me to come and do targeted workshops for them, like some teacher training at the beginning of the year for their teachers. That's a bit more limited, but it's another good way to get out there. But the point is that teachers are hungry for this information. They want to be a help to these students. How would you describe the state of faith-based education as you interact with multiple schools a year, multiple educators? Do you feel like we're moving in the right direction? Do we feel like we still have a lot of barriers and misconceptions in place when it comes to serving students with learning disabilities and other special needs? Unfortunately, yes. Because on the one hand, I get real excited about how much interest there is. For instance, I just got an email today from a school in the area that serves just boys, middle school and high school boys. It's a Christian school. They're doing a great job there. He just reached out to me this week and asked if we could talk because he needs some help with understanding how they can do better to serve the needs of some of their kids who have learning disabilities, some ADHD, some autism. So we're hearing a lot of that. There's more schools that are interested. But on the other hand, I hear from about the same number of teachers or parents who are still just so sad and frustrated that they just are not getting any support in that area as well. I talked to a family, it was a couple, about a year ago that just really broke my heart for them. They had gotten my name from someone and asked if we could meet online And so I did, and I asked a friend of mine, Dr. Riley, who's also one of our instructors, I asked him to meet with me too, because he's an administrator of a Christian school in Florida, and his school also has a really good program for kids with special needs, and he's adopted a couple of kids who have special needs. So I knew that he would also be able to bring additional help to this meeting, because the goal of the meeting with this family was for them to talk to us to find out how they should approach their administration for a second chance to get their two little girls into that Christian school. They had two boys that I think were their natural children and no disabilities, and they were at their local Christian school. And then they have two little girls who last year, I believe, were in the second grade. And these little girls had been adopted. I think they were twin girls. They were adopted. 
probably had some fetal alcohol syndrome, which kind of looks like learning disabilities or ADHD. So they were a little behind, not grossly behind. How far behind can you be when you're in the second grade? So they were a little behind. They'd already been turned down once. So they're one of those families that would drop off their two kids at the Christian school and keep going to the public school to drop off the other two. Well, their concern was that they were seeing the influence of all the nonsense that's going on in public school right now. You know what I'm talking about. They were seeing the influence of that permeating what their girls are being taught. And they wanted the same kind of biblical worldview and Christian school nurturing that their boys were getting. They wanted that for their girls, but they'd been turned down. So they met with us and we talked to them and gave them some ideas and talking points and how to just assure the administration of their intent, that their goal was not that these Christian school teachers were going to race to get their kids up to grade level in record time. That was not the goal. The goal was to have their girls be in that nurturing Christian school environment, learning Bible stories and that Christian worldview that our schools are so good at. That's all they wanted. And their girls to just have a chance to be a part of that community. We talked to them about that and just assure them and maybe even ask, can you give it a trial? Can they come for two weeks if it's not working? We thought certainly, because the arguments that we gave were very reasonable. We thought certainly. And they came back to us and said, they said, no. We came back again. I'm like, okay, we tried again. We're like, why don't you go to the next level up? Maybe that's the thing. Let's just go to them and ask again and, and again, reiterate what your goal is. You want your girls to be raised in this nurturing Christian environment. You don't expect a magic pill, et cetera. The following week, she reached out again. She goes, no. She said they took it to the school board and the school board flatly said, no, this is not the direction that we want to go into. And I was wow. appalled, but that happens, Michael, far more than you would realize. And it's appalling. Yeah. And I try to be understanding because I know that a Christian school is not set up to take every single student that walks into the door. I understand right. that. But when you've got a Christian family and that's what they're looking for, how do you say no to that? How yeah. can you not make that work? And I think, let's go back to your mission statement. What does it say? Does it say that the purpose of your school is to train little elitists to go out and make big money in society and do great things? Probably not. So what does your mission statement say? I'm not trying to oversimplify, and you accuse me of being passionate about this. Now you're seeing it. So <laughs> I go back to what would Jesus do? Would Jesus say, no, we looked at your IQ scores and you're not college material. You're really not cut out for our curriculum. Okay. And then we go with the curriculum. I say change the curriculum if that's an issue. Adapt the yeah. curriculum to fit the student. Don't make the student adapt to fit the curriculum if it's not a good fit. That's a topic for another day. But what would Jesus do? I think he would make it work. And I agree with you. But let me play devil's advocate here for just a minute and address this as the administrator or the school right. board who says, but we have limited resources to pay our teachers. Our classes are already full. Our teachers are overworked. We can't just change out our curriculum resources. We've invested a lot into this. Right. How would you respond to that? What baby steps could be taken to start moving in the right direction if you find that your school's not at a place where it can readily serve students like this? That's a good question, obviously, because you can't overtax one classroom. 
So you have to be intentional. And that's one of the things that we learned along the way when we developed our program. And that was to be intentional. First of all, with the administration, we would identify a percentage of students per grade level that we could take who had disabilities that were going to be extreme enough that they were going to need some extra attention. Okay. And whatever percentage that is, maybe 20%, we'll just throw that out there. Okay. Maybe that's six kids per grade. Now, some of them you can let slip in because it's minor enough that it's not going to take any serious modification or accommodations that are extreme, et cetera. That's one thing that you can do. The other thing is that you read that paperwork carefully. And I looked for behavior issues because one extreme behavior issue can distract the entire classroom dynamic. And I get that. Okay. When we had a suspicion about that, then we would suggest a shadowing day or two. So I'd read the paperwork first of all. I'm like, okay, maybe because there are some disabilities whose behaviors can be distracting. Even students with Down syndrome, who I think are the sweetest ones in the world, but sometimes they can be distracting with behaviors that are inappropriate behaviors or whatever. Sometimes kids with any sort of ADHD even could be that. If we had a suspicion that their behaviors would be so difficult to manage, then we would suggest a day or two to shadow for free because you could tell a lot in a day or two about whether or not that was going to be a good fit or not. I drew the line at what I nicknamed runners, okay? If a kid was a runner, we couldn't do it. Because where we were, when I was at Friendship, we were on a busy five-lane road. And I've had kids before who we did have to let go, and I hated having to do it. But we did have a few. I remember one in particular because he would stomp my foot and break out and go running. I couldn't take that kind of a chance. Yes, there, of course, are limits. And probably the physical disabilities might have some limits. For instance, toileting needs cannot really be handled by a school teacher who is trying to teach a classroom of 20. Yeah. So that's one thing that we did. We would manage that. Oh, and the other thing was we would also hold back a few slots per grade level or per grouping that I had, just waiting for that Christian family who understood what we were trying to do. Not just a family that didn't really understand our biblical worldview. They just wanted their kid to go to a private school. There's plenty of private schools out there, and I would recommend them to a private school, and that would work out too. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of resources available for students with diagnosed learning disabilities or things like that. I think more so today than even in the previous decade even private schools, it depends on the state and the district mm-hmm. and so forth. There are resources available. And I think to your previous point, why not pursue those? Why not explore what resources do we have available to us so that we can open our doors to a wider range of students right. if the resources are there? And sometimes dollar for dollar, there's a lot more available for kids with diagnosed oh, needs yes. than those who don't have those. And you made the point about from the administration's point of view or the teachers that they aren't paid what they're worth. That's for sure. And they do have a lot of work to do. I understand that. But I would say that is one way where my public school experience did serve me well, because I saw there that, well, they are paid better. That's for sure. They're also very busy. 
they also have a lot of, especially the special ed teachers, they have a whole lot of things that are thrust upon them to do, even outside of the classroom. So they're tired too, but they have to do this for these kids. If they are given an IEP for that child, then they have to. And I'll tell you, one thing that surprised me was, and this is another thing I learned in the public school, and I would have an IEP meeting for the student, and then I would come out of there and I had to do some additional paperwork, a shorter version of that IEP to present to their teachers, the classroom teachers, and in it would be, these are the either modifications or accommodations that need to be made for this child based on this testing. And then I would show this to the teachers and I never, ever got any pushback ever. Mm. They just did it. Was it hard? Of course it was hard. Yes, it can be. But there are ways to save time on that. But in the Christian school, I was shocked by the pushback. Oh, I can't do that. I'm already doing this. I don't have time to do that. Wait a minute. This is what the child needs. Yeah. And so what I tell Christian schools is if you have nobody in the building that understands how to differentiate for students who have disabilities, all you need is one. You don't have to have an entire program for kids with special needs. You really don't. You just need to have one teacher who's got some training. And that's mm -hmm. one reason why Veritas did what we did to make the free stuff available through Truth Matters, but also the degree programs that we've got. Because if you've got one expert in the building, they can be the resource. They can be the consultant. They can be the one that reads the paperwork, first of all, for the administration before the child is enrolled and says whether or not this is something we can handle or not. And if it is, great, then that expert in the room can even be a third grade teacher and just does this to help and say, these are the kind of accommodations we may need to make for the student. These are some suggestions. The key word is differentiation. When you yeah. Google that and you start studying differentiated education, then you learn that, oh, it really doesn't have to take up that much time. I'm not doing more. I'm just doing a little differently and manipulating some things around a little bit, especially when it comes to assessments. But good teaching is good teaching. And if you can use good strategies and instructional strategies that will reach the lowest student in your class, you reach everybody. You just assess them a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Let me put you on the spot a little bit here, give you a chance to prepare yourself emotionally. No, really, I just want to ask about resources. So let's say that there's an administrator or teacher who wants to start investigating this further, looking into this. What would be top one, two, three, however many resources you would point them towards okay. as far as wrapping their minds around this and what more they can do? First of all, I'd say identify a school that's within drivable distance from you that is doing something similar to this and visit. Go and see it. You need to see for yourself what it looks like and how it can work in your situation. Now, the model that we used at Friendship worked really well and continues to work really well for them. But our model is not necessarily gonna work the same in different Christian schools because the dynamic of every school is different. But visiting a few of them is really helpful. And then there were some books that I would recommend. One that I started with that was super helpful. It came out in 2006. There needs to be an updated version of it. But this one was good. It's called Serving Students with Learning Disabilities in Christian Schools. It's written by 
Myrna Esom and Debbie Irwin. But I'll say that again. Serving Learning Disabled Students in Christian Schools. The subtitle is A Program Management Manual for Teachers and Administrators. I started with that one, and that was an excellent one. Another one that I would recommend is called Planning, Writing, and Implementing IEPs, A Christian Approach. And it's written by one of our instructors. Her name is Dr. Bunny Claxton, C-L-A-X-T-O-N. And it is an excellent manual on an IEP, disabilities in general. But the first one that I mentioned is almost a manual for getting started. I'm afraid to put this over the airwaves, but I know that eventually I'm going to need to, with some other people, write something new to help Christian schools as a how-to manual with paperwork, et cetera. But in the meantime, there are still some good resources out there. Yeah. What about organizations, maybe consulting organizations that might help with grant writing or navigating the partnership with a local district? Are you familiar with any organizations like that? Have you done work with people like that? No, because I think I know what you're asking. And it's hard because we have 50 states and all 50 states have different laws pertaining to education and policies. And then in those 50 states, they've got districts within each one of them. And so they all do things a little differently. Like you mentioned earlier, the resources that are available for testing, et cetera. But what I have found, because I do travel to different states and do training there and the conferences, hear from teachers and I always ask, all right, in this state, what does it look like? And in some states, they get very little help. And in others, the public schools come to them and say, hey, here we are. What do you need? Do you need OT? Do you need speech services? I would say what I believe is necessary is for every single school should identify who is the person on either the district or the state level, probably the district level, who is the coordinator for non-public schools and build a relationship with them. Take them to coffee, find out from them, what can we do to support you? Because believe it or not, they're things that they need from you. And then see if they can support you. What they need from you as a Christian school, and maybe you have already seen these, but they will send us a request for us to send them a list of students, not necessarily with their names, but they needed to know the number of students that we had enrolled who had an IEP, a public school issued IEP. And at first I didn't bother with that. It was time consuming and I just didn't want to be bothered with it. And I thought, what's in it for us? Okay. I developed the relationship with them and I realized what was in it for them is that they would turn that into the state, those numbers, and then that represented dollars. Okay. Mm -hmm. That they had these numbers of students that were in non-public schools, but they had IEPs, which meant that by law, they have to serve them with whatever that they qualify for. So therefore they could get money back from the state for that. What was in it for us is by showing that give and take that I'm willing to work with you. We're not trying to be difficult Mm -hmm. here. I would give them that list. And then that made it much easier when I had a student who maybe the need for testing or the need for speech services was right on the line. Generally, I would be able to get it for our students because we had developed that kind of relationship I think we should do it too, just because we are Christians and we shouldn't come across as we're hostile to them. No, we need to have a good working relationship with them. And I think you'd be surprised at how many Christians there are, like we said, we're in the public schools, 
who are very understanding of what you're trying to doing will be a very accommodating. Yeah. How have you seen volunteers help with this process? Volunteer grandparents or parents, maybe the parents of the children mm-hmm. that are being served or just others who feel like this is their passion, their ministry. Right. Has that been helpful? Are there barriers there? No barriers. They- They're very helpful, especially financially. Grandparents get yeah. very excited and they open their wallets and you send out that request for items. Grandparents are excellent with that. And then people in your church and in the community, it's amazing to see when you ask and you tell people what you're trying to do, how excited they are about it, especially the family members. Now, when it comes to actually helping in person, you have to be a little bit careful with that because Mm -hmm. FERPA, the laws against people knowing what the disabilities are in particular, that kind of information has to be protected. You can't actually have parents on the regular in the classroom helping with the education, but helping with other things that we would do, extracurricular activities, field trips. Mm -hmm. That was good. And it was good for the parents because then they bond as parents Mm -hmm. and having things in common of having children who have special needs, et cetera. And they need that kind of support from each other. I have some parents who were very good at knowing how to advocate for their kid through the system, knowing what kinds of resources were available and knowing how to get them. And they had the time to put into that that I didn't have. So they would share that with me and I would sometimes set up like little lunch and learns for the other parents to come in Mm. and have them explain what they knew about how to navigate this process, how to get this service for your child, how to get this, how to get other things, even things like guardianship process, which can be tricky to navigate and expensive too. Using them as experts as well was also a great resource. So I didn't have to do everything and I didn't have to know everything on my own. I just had to ask. Now you've stated that you enjoy talking to educators and administrators. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want more information or want to explore? Pick your brain. Right. Well, I would say email me. I do have people frequently who reach out to me and ask me sometimes specific questions or in general, and I do have a plethora of resources that I can point to if I know exactly what the need is. So absolutely, it's a ministry of mine. I am passionate about it. And if your heart is to help kids with special needs in your school, then I do want to be available to help you. So you can reach me at lisajoiner at vbc.edu. If you are interested in one of our programs, you would like to extend your education and add on, then go to vbc.edu, whether that's to finish an undergrad or a graduate degree or even your EDD. Love to tell you sometime about the EDD, but we don't have time for that. But that's an exciting program that we have that we use applied research, very practical. If that's your interest, then go to vbc.edu. And if you were interested, like Michael, you said earlier, talked about our the Truth Matters Institute. I know I've got some courses there that I have done, some older courses that are on teaching students with special needs, then go to vbc.edu and then look under resources, Truth Matters Institute. And then I'm sure some of your teachers are familiar with AACS, the American Association of Christian Schools. This past summer, I taught a 10-hour professional development for them specifically on the topic of how to start a special education program in your school. And I'll be doing that again 
in June. I'm not sure exactly what the dates are in June. The thing to remember is you're not the only one out there. You're not alone. If you're a Christian school teacher or administrator, know that it can be done. Is it difficult? Maybe, but anything worth doing is going to be a little difficult to do, but it's not impossible. There is support. There are others like me that would love to reach out and to help you. And like I said, you've got my email address there. Do reach out and let me see if I can help you. And we'll try to collect all those that you just stated and put them in the show notes and share them in other ways through Curriculum Track as well. So they can reach out to Curriculum Track if they would like more information as well. Lisa, it's been so great to talk to you. I really enjoy our conversations. I've taken up enough of your time today, but I always like to give my guests what I call the last word, where you can talk directly to the audience. You don't have to talk through me. And so I'd like to just invite you to imagine that you're addressing a teacher directly, maybe a teacher who has students with special needs in their class. What would you want them to know or hear directly from your heart as we part ways today? I would say this sounds, again, like I'm trying to over-spiritualize this, and I'm not. Of course, I don't think you can over-spiritualize anything. But when God tells us in the New Testament, and I think Paul says it, you pray for wisdom. And when we ask for wisdom, he will give it. And I don't think we take that as seriously as we should. But I know that during that year in public school, which I've told you, Michael, was like my year in Egypt, I took those verses seriously. And every single day, that's when I started every single day on the way to school, I would beg God for wisdom. I said, things are going to come up today that I am not going to know how to handle. Please give me the words that I need. Give me the ideas, specific instructional strategies that I need. Help me today to have wisdom to know how to respond and how to be the best teacher that my students need from me today. And that's a prayer that God said he would answer. And he did every single day that I would pray that. And there would be some days when I would be maybe in a difficult parent meeting and I would say things that I had not scripted at all. They would come out of my mouth and I would think that was straight up truth bomb. Wow. <laughs> you know, like that was wise. And I thought that didn't come from me. I knew it didn't come from me. I hadn't practiced it. I knew it came from the Holy Spirit. I'm like, thanks. I needed that. Or an instructional strategy. I have students who are struggling with understanding a particular thing. And then all of a sudden this idea would pop in my head. I'm like, oh, we could do this and this. And I just pull something out when we would do it. And again, I thought, I know where that came from. So I think I would leave with you, if you've got a student with a special need in your class, and I'm sure you do, become an expert on what their special need is. If they have ADHD, become an expert in ADHD. If they have a learning disability, become an expert in learning disabilities. And then ask God to give you the wisdom to be the teacher that they need you to be. Amen. Thank you so much. It's been great to have you today, Lisa. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for dropping by the Curriculum Track Teachers Lounge today. We hope this conversation helped you feel more connected to like-minded educators and provided you with a thought, an idea, or even just a smile as you seek to do all that you can for all of your students. If you found this conversation to be helpful, do us a favor and rate this podcast. Also, be sure to share it with others. We would be grateful to hear from you with any ideas, questions, or thoughts that you may have. You can find ways to connect with us at CurriculumTrack.com.